This is Gary Wakefield and you're listening to Queer Life Stories. I'm joined today by a friend and colleague, Rhiannon. Rhiannon, did you want to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Rhiannon, I'm 29 and I identify as bisexual. Where and when did you grow up? Um, I grew up in the 90s, I'm a 90s baby. (laughs) Um, Mainly in Devonport and Sheffield, I grew up. It was just me and my mum, but a lot of aunties, uncles and cousins, and my grandparents obviously as well. Me and my grandparents were really close, I spent a lot of time there growing up, and one of my cousins is like my best friend, so we're super close. When did you first discover your sexuality? Um, I would have been about 20, I think. So for my whole teen years, I was attracted to males. Um, I became friends with a lesbian couple and discovered I had feelings for one of the girls and I was confused and had no idea what was going on. And that was probably when I first discovered I was attracted to the same sex. Was there a period before that where you like questioned it or thought about it? No, never. I'd never even thought about it, ever. Wow. It was just this one person that I was like, oh, okay, (laughs) this is different. But yeah, through my whole teen years, never questioned it, never thought of it. It's always been mum and I, and she's always been super supportive of everything I've done. And I remember going to her thinking, right, she's the right person to talk to, she's supported everything. I went to her and said that I had feelings for this girl and her response was just because you've got feelings for your friends Rhiannon doesn't mean you need to act on them and I was like okay then so we won't go there anymore Um, but then I spoke to my mum's really good friend about it um, because I was confused I was upset because I didn't think mum accepted me Um, my mum's friend ended up speaking to her mum come around she thought it was just a phase to start with but then she realized I was serious Her biggest concern was that she wouldn't have grandchildren (laughs) because I'm an only child. Um, But when she came around to the ID, she's so supportive. Um, Yeah, and my friends, I've never had any problems with my friends ever. They've all been really supportive. I didn't lose any friends, which I think I'm really lucky because I know some people that I am friends with that are in same-sex relationships have lost friends, which is horrible. They're not any different as a person. So I was really lucky in that way. My biggest kind of moment where I was the most proud of who I was, um, because I've never known my dad, my granddad and I were super close, just before he passed away. My nan always accepted, which I found really, really good, but really strange for older people. Mm. Um, So they always accepted, but my nan wasn't as accepting as my granddad. And just before he passed away, he said to nan that he just, all he wanted was for me to be happy. And that was probably the most proudest time in my life because my granddad accepted me and he was, you know, he was everything to me, so. So did you have gay friends growing up? Um, not really growing up, not that I can remember. I was pretty naive to those kind of things when I was younger. Um, but I played softball and I'm not sure most people probably know a lot of lesbians play softball. <laughs> um, <laughs> Every time I mention to someone that I played softball, they're always like, oh, well, that makes sense then. Um, so I got, I became um, friends with quite a few lesbians through softball. 
um, and that's how I met my first partner, was, um, we played in the same team. My first relationship was um, with another female. Um, we were together for two years um, and then things went sour. She cheated on me basically and things kind of ended between, I think there was a two year time frame between relationships and in that two years I went back to men, I went like slept with a few women and then I met Jenna and yeah. So it was very confusing. That The two years between relationships was probably the most confusing time because I just had no idea what I wanted. It was a really good relationship. Um, didn't start on the best terms. She had only just ended her relationship prior. Um, we were together for almost two years and she proposed. Um, three months into the proposal she started having an affair with one of our friends which I think and I hear quite a lot of um, in like the lesbian kind of community I'm not sure if it's because it's not a big community in Tasmania but you see a lot of yeah a lot of cheating happening I've found okay. and that happened to me <laughs> that sucks yeah it did suck How did you meet Jenna? Well, she played football for Launceston, she's from that area, and I was um, the trainer for the Devonport women's team. And I've seen her and was attracted to her and got a little bit stalkerish, <laughs> found her on Facebook, added her as a friend, which was really random because I think we had one mutual friend. Um, then we just started messaging and we met up for um, a coffee and it went from there. And she moved up this way because her family all live in Launceston and yeah, we've been together for five and a half years now, so no ring still though, disappointed. <laughs> I'd always wanted to be a mum ever since I was younger. Jenna didn't want kids, um, so we compromised and had twins, so that worked out really well. Um, we went through IVF um, using the donor program. Um, I think we decided, we talked about it for a while, probably two years into our relationship. Um, we got in contact with Taz IVF, they were excellent, sent us all the information, had some appointments with the doctors and picked a couple of donors that we were given. There's the worst thing I think about that process, um, generally you get three donors to choose from. Um, we only got two because one of them hadn't agreed to donate into a same-sex couple. Which I respect everyone's decision and opinions. Um, it was just kind of a little bit hurtful at the time thinking there's people out there that don't think we should be able to have kids. We signed up with the donor program. Uh, I think there's about a three month cooling off period before you could um, attempt the insemination process. So as soon as that three months was up, we went down to Hobart, um, seeing the IVF doctor, there's a bit of a process between getting scans and everything and making sure it's the right time. Um, we had one attempt and unfortunately it failed. We waited two months, had another attempt. It was successful, but unfortunately the pregnancy didn't last and I miscarried, um, not too far into it, but still enough to really hurt. 
Yeah. Um, and then we waited another two months and third time lucky, we got pregnant. <laughs> Registering for the donor program was 800. Each attempt was 1700. So, but all of, your, all of the scans and everything in between were covered by the TAS IVF and it was just paying each attempt at insemination, which at the price that you pay though, it's nothing when you've got your kids there. At the time you think, oh my gosh, this is so expensive, but then they're born and you don't really think about it anymore. It wouldn't change it for the world. No, definitely not. I was so nervous when I called TAS IVF because I thought, are they gonna judge me? Are they gonna be like, oh, we well, can't do that if you're a lesbian? Um, they were amazing. They sent me everything I needed to know. I called them at any time. They always accepted everything basically. Um, so I would just advise if you want to do it, just call them. Um, just ring them and tell them what you want and they're excellent. They really are. When I was pregnant as well with the twins, I found out that Jenna could also be on the birth certificate, so she has just as many rights to the boys if we were to separate as I do. So I just had to go to service TAS, ask them for same-sex birth certificate, um, and Jenna's name's actually listed first on the birth certificate, <laughs> not mine, um, but it just says who the birth mother is as well, so I think it's really great that, and I think Tasmania was the first state maybe to bring in same-sex couple adoption and birth certificates as well. So that's really good. With the IVF process, we had to speak to a counsellor. Um, just, it's not just for same-sex couples. Anyone who goes through IVF has to do it just to make sure, I guess, you're emotionally ready. Um, when we discussed with her using the donor program, one of the biggest things she said was, we have to tell the child or children that they're from a donor, which obviously in our case, it's gonna be pretty obvious. Um, but yeah, a lot of the time she said that some people would say that, oh, the dad, you know, the dad didn't want them or the dad died, but it's, it's, it's illegal to tell a child that. Um, and with the donor program as well, they've all changed a little bit now. So they do have a right to the children once they turn 18. The children have a right to know who the donor is once they turn 18 and the, the donors have to agree to that as well. Um, which is why in Tasmania it's a little bit harder, I guess, than bigger states to, to get a donor because um, they've, they've only got a certain amount of people they can donate to as well, being a smaller state. So one of our donors was actually American that we had to choose from. It was an extra $500, um, but we decided to go with the donor that resembled Jenna more in features. So Jenna's got dark hair, she's got blue eyes, um, and the donor that we chose had the same kind of features as she does. And we get asked a lot if I used Jenna's eggs and carried the, the boys because they look more like her than they do like me. But yeah, genetically there's, yeah, they're just mine, but they look a lot like her, which is crazy. Um, I did have someone say to me, I can't remember if it was, my pregnancy was like a blur pretty much. Um, it may have been a nurse or a child health nurse, but they mentioned the fact that at least in kind of a way that these children are wanted. They're not accidents, they're not, you know, from one night stands. 
they wanted children and I think that is says a lot for the lesbian and gay communities that you know when we have children we don't have them for the sake of having them we have them because we want them my cousin's little girl I'm her godmother as well and she loves that the boys have two mums and she went back to my cousin, who's a single mum, and she's like, Mummy, I need another mum. And Melissa's like, why, what's wrong with me? And Ariel was like, I just want two mums like Jed and Lincoln have. <laughs> I've never really personally come across discrimination as such. I did, um, I used to do party plan before I even thought about getting pregnant when Jenna and I were together and I was doing a party once and they were talking about same-sex couples having children um, and one of the ladies there disagreed with it, didn't think it should happen because those children would get bullied at school and I had to bite my tongue because I was working and all I just wanted to say to her was maybe you shouldn't, maybe you should teach your children not to bully because that's where it comes from. The, the children don't any different, they don't care. They don't care if you've got a mum, a dad, grandparents, anyone raising you, as long as you, you've got someone there. And this lady, I couldn't believe it. And I was kind of upset that I was at work because I just wanted to say something to her. I thought, how dare you judge other people? You know, there's plenty of children in the world that are neglected by, you know, mums, dads, anyone. And then you've got two loving parents and they're a same-sex couple, they, they could probably give kids a better life than, you know, being neglected. Do you have a lot of LGBT friends now? Mainly in Hobart I do. Um, I have quite a few up here in Devonport. Um, being a mum and working, basically full-time. I don't get to see a lot of them all the time, but we're all friends on Facebook. Um, a lot of them have kids of their own now as well, which is excellent. Uh, but yeah, down in Hobart mainly, I have like most of my friends are down there. I find that the gay bars as well, there are a lot of straight couples there because it's just, it's a much friendlier atmosphere. It's more inviting. You don't get the seedy, young, drunk guys hitting on every everyone. Um, it's, just a, it's just a much better place. I'd prefer to go there than a regular bar because yeah, it's just, it's more welcoming and inviting and people are friendlier. Yeah, right. And it, you just feel more relaxed. And I guess you don't have to worry about being judged for what you're wearing or how you look because being at a gay bar, everyone is just accepting. Um, my other workplace, I was there for eight years and I was there when I came out. Um, it was quite a funny story. I didn't tell them for a long time because I, I was probably embarrassed. Well, not, I wouldn't say embarrassed, that's probably not the right word. I was worried about what they would say and how they would think if they would judge me. Um, so I kind of kept my relationship a secret for quite a few months until one of the girls I worked with was like, when are you going to tell us that you're together? And I was like, oh what? <laughs> and they knew all along and they didn't care, they didn't judge me. My 
yeah, we just went on with our day. It wasn't awkward at work. Everything was fine. Uh, yeah, I just wish I had told them sooner instead of trying to hide it for so long. I don't find it hard to tell people. I get awkward though when people refer to my partner as a he um, or refer to the boys as having a dad. I get super awkward about that. But if someone doesn't know, I'm more than happy to tell them that I'm in a same-sex relationship, that my children have two mums. It's just when they assume the gender of my partner is when I feel awkward and when I, I kind of not, I would say shy away from it a little bit because if they're assuming that I'm with a male and that my kids have a dad, I worry that they're then gonna judge me if I say, oh no, my partner's female. Um, so I find it awkward and that a little bit challenging, but I'm lucky where I work. I'm lucky for the family and the friends that I have. So I don't think it really impacts. I remember I had to ring Centrelink once might have been last tax time about something and he's like said something about my partner lodging his tax return and I was like uh my partner's female and he the guy I was speaking to was excellent he said I am so sorry he said I should not have assumed that and he was really good like I think it I don't know I think it's just natural though for people to assume which and it shouldn't be it, it shouldn't be a natural instinct to think well she's female her partner must be male or you know, it shouldn't be a natural thing, but I think it is, sadly, it is. I think there will always be progress that needs to be made. Um, I think more like the community for younger people, um, you know, as you get older, you get more comfortable in how you're feeling and, and everything like that. But I definitely think for, you know, people in their late teens, early 20s that are just coming out. I definitely think there's progress that needs to be made for them. And, you know, it's great that same-sex marriage is around, but I don't feel at times that Australia are 100% supportive of it. Um, so there's, I think there's always going to be progress that needs to be made. Do you have a final message for the listeners? Don't ever be afraid to be who you are. There will always be someone out there that will love you for who you are and support you. Brilliant. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me. If you're struggling with your own mental health and need support, contact Beyond Blue on 1300 or Lifeline on 131114. Both services are available 24-7. If you'd like to tell your story or share your experiences or would just like to get in touch, please email us at queerlifestories@outlook.com, and you can find us on social media, Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Just search for Queer Life Stories. This is a no-budget, one-man operation to produce, but you can support this podcast and get behind-the-scenes glimpses and more information by subscribing to us at Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Queer Life Stories. Thanks for listening. Take care of yourself and each other.